of the wonderful goodness of God in this church and through this church. And uh, it's a privilege for me to be here. My wife, Michelle, says hello, so I do want to say that. And hello to those who, wherever you're watching from, wherever, whatever. <laughs> so it's just real. Thank you for you and Vanessa for the privilege, really. When we chatted and he said, why don't you come up and celebrate our fourth birthday, I said, I'd love to, really love to. It's okay, thank you. Before getting to that, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in two things. Whatever is happening in your life, whatever you see happening in the world, whatever you experiencing, and sometimes life comes at us very strongly, like it just rolls over us, if you understand what I'm saying. Never lower your view of who God is. We tend to diminish God to what's happening on earth. And God is way above. Yet he loves us and he wants to be involved in our lives, if you know what I mean. But I encourage you, never diminish God to our view of things. He's far bigger, he's far greater. We sang a song, Revival. I've read a couple of books on revival. Revival is an incredible, um, I don't know what to call it, incredible move of God. There's a book by a man called Maltari, called The Mighty Wind, Like a Mighty Wind. It's about an Indonesian revival that happened in 1966. What is that? I don't know, 60 years ago. Where in this little church in a village, nothing much was happening. Uh, but they had been praying and praying and seeking God for a move. And one day in the service, a young lady stood up and wanted to read a psalm or something like that. And she said, can I read a psalm? And as she started to read the psalm, the presence of God came into that place. To such a degree, the people on the outside saw fire burning the building around. And everybody thought it was a natural fire, but it wasn't. It was the fire of God. So they ran to get buckets, because that's what they did. They ring a bell in the square, and everybody runs and gets a bucket and put it in the water and ran to the building to throw it on the fire so the building wouldn't burn, not realizing that it was actually a spiritual fire. And then they heard all the commotion within the building, people just standing and praising and singing and just under the presence of God. And so they started to run into the building to see what was happening. And as they crossed the threshold, like as they came across the threshold, the presence of God, the power of God got hold of them. And they started to fall under the power of God. And the bodies started to pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up. And in the next, I can't remember, five to seven years, 20 million Muslims came to know Jesus Christ through that revival. Never diminish God. I encourage you, never read the Gospels. Read the Gospels about who God really is. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I just want to encourage you with that. I really want. And the second thing I want to encourage you with, don't lose heart. When this whole pandemic, COVID started, like many people, I said, God, what? What do you want me to say? And I know there's been many things said, and I just felt God say, tell my people not to lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. There's something coming. God's preparing us for something. 
And so before talking to the celebration, I want to say two things. There's, I've said two things, I want to say one more thing. There's two times in the scriptures, in the Gospels, where it says, from that time on, from that time on, in the Gospel, from that time on. And it's in uh, Mark chapter 1, I mean Mark chapter 4, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 4, 17 and Matthew 16, 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus did this, or from that time Hello, Jesus did that. It's something in my pocket or... I think it's Vanessa. No, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he said, from that time on. And the first time he said it was when he heard what had happened to John the Baptist. Is that what it is? This stuff challenges me. Yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, I know. I'm old school. It's still... Okay. From that time on... When Jesus found out that John the Baptist had been put in prison, the Bible says from that time on, he began to preach and do this. But he waited for a certain time for something to happen. It was like a cue. It was like, okay, now go ahead. It's like the Father saying, now go ahead. And from that time on, he began to do certain things, preach the kingdom of God, come in, etc. Then the other time it says this is when Jesus asked a question. And he said, who do people say I am? And the disciples said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this. And then he turns to them and says, well, who do you guys say I am? And that's a key question. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the most high God. Jesus said, Peter, you did not know that of yourself. That's a revelation my father gave you. You cannot know that by yourself. It did not come from you. It came from our father in heaven. And then he says, and I will and the gates of hell prevail with from and he began to reveal some truth. Why am I telling you? Because for you as a church, God prepares us in a season for what in place something needs to happen, and then it's from the I'm on, something else begins to take place. And I feel you people. A time on. A time on. From this day on. Right, sorry. If you can get hold of your... Oops, sorry. Alright, what I want to talk on this morning is the importance of your celebration. The significance of what that means. Memorial, because that's what you're doing. You're putting a stick in the ground. This is a memorial. And in the eyes of God, it's very important. And that's what I want to show you. So this can be for you collectively. It can be for you individually. I know there's seasons in my life. person yeah, you'll have memorials in your life. This church will have memorials. I'm going to explain what it is. 
things to you. And they're very important. I'm encouraging you to know to them. them down very for what God's preparing you for today. But 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel. That's why I, it's a wonder, wonderful pleasure for me to be here today, just to celebrate this time with you. 1 Samuel, chapter 7, very brief context. The Israelites, the Philistines are coming against the Israelites. The Israelites are disarray. They run to Samuel the prophet, and Samuel goes to seek God and pray. And uh, if you go to verse 10, 1 Samuel, 7.10, it says, while Samuel was sacrificing burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mespah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point of beth Car. Then, this is their significant verse, verse 12, then Samuel took a stone, he set it up, between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And I want to say to you, today you can say, This, this far the Lord has brought us. That's what you're doing today. It's like you're putting a and you're saying, This far the Lord has brought us. Look what the Lord has done. Significant. That's what I'm trying to say. It's very significant. It's a stone, but it is a memorial of what God has done. Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Verse 8. I'm going to quickly read about nine pieces, nine Nine verses of scripture. The Amalekites came in and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, who is his brother, and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites retired. They took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. So think of this. Yes, a man stand. Oh dear. Yes, a man. Sorry, I don't know what to do to stop it. Here's a man standing on top of a mountain. His name is Moses. He's standing there with his hands raised up, but he's getting tired. So one person comes and helps him. His brother Aaron, another friend, Ur, comes and they hold up his hands. He sits down. He's getting so tired. But whenever his hands lowered, down in the valley, Joshua with the Israelite army is fighting. And whenever his hands are lowered, they start losing. Whenever his hands are raised, they start winning. They can see the battle taking place. That signifies prayer. It's amazing. And then the Lord said to, uh, sorry, so verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Verse 14, then the Lord said to
Moses and said, Moses, write down, you can read it, on a scroll, something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because he's down in the valley. So Moses has to write this down. It's a memorial. God is telling him something significant about the battle that they've won and says, I want you to remember, this is a memorial for your future. One day, I will blot out the Amalekites completely from under the sun. It's a promise he made to them. And he says, write it down. Remember this. It's a memorial. Hundreds of years go by. A man called King Saul. You know who King Saul was? He came on the scene. I believe the reason why he didn't fulfill what he was supposed to fulfill is because under his reign, God came to King Saul and said, Saul, I want you to destroy the Amalekites, including King Agar. And he didn't. Remember, he kept some sheep for himself. He kept the king alive. Because he was supposed to fulfill what the Lord had promised you. And he didn't. And so God raised up another king, King David. So who was the person that God used to fulfill this promise? Does anybody know? Have any of you read the book of Esther? Esther. Queen Esther. Go read the book. God raises her up, gives her prominence, lets her become queen, and so she's a figure of prominence, and you go read the story how God orchestrated all that, and through Esther, the Amalekites were destroyed. So Queen Esther. See, God will fulfill but it was a memorial to them, to the memorial. For God read it all, but basically Joshua chapter 4 is when the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan River. The Jordan River was in flood, and God instructed them how to do that, and the ark had to go before them, and when the, the priest carrying the foot in the water, and it was in flood, the water backed up, just stopped, stopped running, and they went through the Jordan River. It was like on you to pick one guy from each tribe and they must pick up a stone from the middle of the Jordan River, put it on their shoulder and carry it through to the other side. And when they get to the other side, you must put those 12 stones down there, one representing each tribe. For this will be, now let's read it. Let's go to verse 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had pointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said, Go over before the ark of the Lord into the middle of the Jordan. Each one of you is to take up a stone in his shoulder according to the number of tribes to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children
Remember when this happened, how God did this? Very important. Use the church. Remember on our fourth anniversary, our fourth That's why memorials are so important. And you can carry on. Why he's brought you. Hasn't been without its moments. Hasn't been without its trials and tribulations. But it's, you're not going to go through life without some trials and tribulations. But I want to encourage this couple here. They've kept their eyes focused. I'm sure there's been seasons. They haven't told me where they said, we've had it. We're out of here. Done. Finished. But I said, no, I can't. To being by the this couple and you've brought people alongside and you've held up their hands and you're together in it and together you reap their benefits and you reap the rewards and you enjoy what God is doing. The great things is for today. All right, two things, very simply two things, and one's linked to the other. Honor and gratitude. Honor and gratitude. And I want to speak a little bit about that, and then we're going to do that. First of all, gratitude. Fifteen, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to peace and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and one, one another all wisdom, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name Thankful. So I'm encouraging. We're going to give you an opportunity to thank. Colossians 4.2. Bible says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's all over. 1 Thessalonians, don't turn there, 5.16 says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Not for the circumstances, but in all. 
How many of you have been through tough times? When you go through a tough time, I encourage you, walk, get on your knees, whatever. Begin to thank God for who he is. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Psalm 50 verse, I can't remember what verse it is, says, when we offer thanksgivings, when we come with thanksgiving offerings, that's in other words, when we declare thanksgiving, it opens up the way for God to do something. It prepares the way for God to come and do something. Very important, very important. 1 Chronicles 16, don't turn there, gives us elements of thanksgiving. What does it mean to give thanks? Honoring and thanking. It's a physical way of beginning able to do that. Amen. All right. So first one is thanksgiving. The second one is honor. Honor means to esteem. Respect. Honor is a vehicle of inheritance. Remember this. Honor is a vehicle. It's an instrument for you to walk inheritance. So the Bible says, children, honor your mom and dad. Why? So that you may live a long fruitful life. Honor is inheritance. It's very important. This truth really needs to flood our lives, particularly in the culture we live in, when we can learn to honor people and honor one another. Doesn't matter whether we agree with them, honor them. Honor them. Africa in 2003, you can still hear my accent. I'm too old for it to change. <laughs> and uh, some people think I'm Nissan because of my accent. Three planted a church in Virginia. And then about 2005, I met a man who was leading a church in the area that I was in, a man called Lyman Eddy, wonderful man. And I started to connect a friendship with him and etc. And I started to ask him questions. And he told me he had been there 30 years. And he told me what God had done and how their church had grown and then how I'd been through some struggles and whatever, whatever. And as I was talking to him, I realized God said to me, Ken, the reason you are reaping what you're reaping today is because of the prayers of this man. I want you to honor him. Coming to our church on Sunday, I want you to preach, but I didn't tell him what I was going to do. So he said, sure. And I want you to tell people all the promises God told you about the city, all the things that you've seen God do for the city. When he came on the Sunday when I introduced him, I took time to honor him. And we had grown significantly over a short period of time. And I said, Lyman, you see all these people here? I want to honor you because this is your fruit. But something shifted when I did that. About three years ago, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to go honor the fathers in your life. 
In other words, fathers in the Lord, people that had helped you, people that had opened doors for you. And one of them, his name was Ken Turner. He was still living back in South Africa. I got saved at 33, and I was in full-time youth ministry in 34, nine months later. He took a huge chance with me, a huge chance, really did. He graciously opened the door for us to go into full-time youth ministry, where we really learned a lot. So I had to book a flight to fly all the way back to South Africa, expensive, and go and spend a week with him and his wife, Anne, and we took them out to dinner, we bought them gifts, and we thanked them, and we honored them. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to go honor a man, a Zimbabwean, a black African, who him and I had built a friendship, and we had gone up into Zimbabwe five or six times a year, and him and I went to minister together, and he opened that door for me to go into Zimbabwe. So again, I flew all the way from America to South Africa, then from Johannesburg to Zimbabwe. And I went and spent time at his house, out in, literally out in the bush in the rural area, to honor him and his wife. Spent a week there and did what we could to honor him. And unfortunately, six months later, he was killed in a car accident. But I'm glad I was obedient to the Lord. And then I felt the Lord say, I need you to go and honor Dudley. So I flew all the way to Australia last year. It's expensive just to go honor the man that helped us open the nations for us to walk into the nations. Cultivate a lifestyle of honor. We need to honor people. We need to honor God, first and foremost. Salvation. about how when Peter was living on this earth and they went up to spoke, it said some said it thunder and he said the heavenly father spoke and said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and Peter heard the voice honor Jesus Christ his son the father honoring his son Jesus Christ for what he even the Heavenly Father honored Jesus when he walked on this earth. The Bible says we need to honor, honor our parents. Proper respect to everybody. Brotherhood of God and another. The Bible says honor your leaders. So you can see honor is all over the Bible. In a book called The Honor Key by a man called Russell Evans, this is what he wrote. Everything. God has a great deal more for us than the narrow slice of life that so many of us experience. More abilities, blessings, inheritance. He wants us to experience heaven on earth, to live life and live it abundantly. He wants you to operate in your giftings and abilities. But honor is the key that releases those things in your life. Honor. Honor. When you honor people. When you honor God. It's very important. What happens when you practice a lifestyle of honor? You believe in the greatness of God. Of what he placed 
of God in every person. You see the ability. You see. So when I look at this man, Jake. When I look at him, I can see Jake. I can see he's got a black shirt on. I can see he's got, what do you call these things? White. I'm an old man. You know, we're a man, okay? But I've got to see past that, and I've got to see who he is in God, the treasure of who he is in God. I can't view him from a natural point of view. I potential in God. That's what... Amen. You honor the people God places in your life, despite the shortcomings. You honor the gifts God has given you so he can pour inheritance into your life. You walk with praise through difficult experiences. You walk by faith, not by facts. You become a world changer when you begin to honor people and honor God.